Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Can you guys hear me okay with these? Good. Um, so we've been trying to clarify like, what is a Christian all semester uh, using the Sermon on the Mount. And I think what's important, again, for you to sort of understand about this text is all of these are not telling you how to become a Christian. Uh, they're sort of like side effects for medicine. They tell you if you take the gospel, sort of what should begin to happen in your life. Uh, if, you, if you sort of receive it, what will your life then begin to look like if you live it out? And in this passage, Jesus is saying, if the gospel really gets in your life, one of the things that will happen is that it will begin to change your central treasure in life. Now, what's a treasure? A treasure is something that is so central to your life, so fundamental that you cannot think about doing life without it. That is, there are many good things in life that are optional, uh, some things that are luxuries, but a treasure is never an option. That you, you, A treasure is something you do not ever go without. So, for example, uh, my car right now is a, uh, a lemon that should be driving on a, a dirt road in Bakersfield. Like, it's really bad because the muffler's got a huge hole in it. And so when I drive, you know, in fancy parts of town, you can hear it a mile away and it's not for sport. But um, uh, the sound of the muffler is peripheral to me actually still being able to drive the car. Like I, it's not like the engine, where if that were to break, it's so central, I can't even think about driving the car. But a muffler is something that if, if it's not working, that's, not, that's unfortunate, but you can still drive the car without it. And for the most part, most people who call on the name of Jesus approach him uh, like he's a muffler. Like it's nice to have, but it's not like the engine of my car that's so central that without this, I cannot even begin to do life. But what Jesus wants to argue with us tonight and clarify for us is that if we uh, do not make him central and not make him our treasure, then he's so crucial to our life, he, life will just break down. And I think there's a practical measure that uh, matters to me for us to talk about this right now. In that uh, this season and fall of 2020, three weeks before the election, one of the common narratives I'm hearing is people who claim to follow Jesus are uh, appealing more and more to their comforts, to what they most want out of life, in the name of throwing down Jesus as a treasure. And I think it's crucial for you to begin to hear and to even embody for people around our country that what a Christian does is intentionally try to make Jesus the treasure of life. 
So let's make sense of that tonight and sort of clarify that a little bit with three things. One, uh, the inevitability of treasure. Two, the danger of treasure. And then three, let's look at real treasure. So first, the inevitability of treasure. Uh, Did you notice what Jesus says in verse 19 when he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. But he says in verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That is, Jesus says, uh, don't put up treasure in earth, but actually put it in heaven. And notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say you should go after treasure. Jesus assumes that the human heart cannot live without a treasure hunt. That is, we, 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 cannot build, we cannot not build our life on something. I mean, think about treasure. Treasure is not something that falls to you. It's something you go after. And Jesus is saying, your life is after something, either my glory and my kingdom or after something in this world that is your glory and is your kingdom. Now, why is that important to begin there? It's important to begin there because who you are as a person comes from some sort of treasure. That is, your identity is a treasure. This is what Jesus means in verse 21 when he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Or put another way by Marcus Mumford, where you invest your love, you invest your life. Sort of to sum that up, you you cannot become self-aware as a human being and make sense of yourself until you realize what your treasure hunt is after. And this isn't just something that Jesus is saying. This is something that's agreed upon by almost any intuitive psychologist or academic. About 10 years ago, this professor at Kenyon College, uh, excuse me, or he was in Pomona, that this, but he gave this graduation speech at Kenyon College. His name was uh, David Foster Wallace. He was not a Christian, but he said this to a graduate, group of graduating students uh, on their commencement day. Here's something that's true. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. If you worship money and things, if they are what you tap in your real meaning of life, then you will never have enough, never feel enough. It's the truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you. The trick in life is to keep the truth up front in daily consciousness that you are worshiping something. So let's talk about that in a very practical way for just one minute in an application sense. Because at the forefront of USC life are several treasure hunts, but I think probably pertinent to us all is our future. That is uh, our career our desire for romance and intimacy, any, any vision of the pictured life that you envision sort of as a good life. And here is the honest way to approach that. We think about it every day. We think about it every moment. And why? Because it's not something that's just coming. It's treasure. Um, and here's how you know you look at your future as treasure. It's as if anger and anxiety are always at the forefront. But as you know, you're searching for treasure with your future is if it's ever threatened, anger or anxiety are the immediate emotions. And you know what that does? That makes the process of getting to your future miserable. 
And what Jesus' point here is for you in your future is that your future is inevitable. It's coming. You're going to approach it. You probably should plan for it, but there's two ways to, to approach it. One is to approach and go into your future either storing up treasure on earth or to go into it storing treasure in heaven. But what you can't do is not go into your future storing up something because treasure is inevitable. That's the first thing Jesus says. Secondly, though, he gives us a danger to treasure. That is, there is a danger, especially to our tendency to go after earthly treasure. This is what Jesus means when he says in verses 22 and 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you as darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, what Jesus is saying here in this little parable is he's sort of saying, look, if you're in a room that's lit, but your eyes are dark, the light in the room does no good. Your body, the rest of your body cannot detect light. And so the light in the room is only useful if your eyes are open. He's saying that earthly treasure has an innate tendency to blind us spiritually to ourselves and the reality that we are trying to engage with our treasure. Now, let me talk about this in a couple ways, and I'm going to inundate you with illustrations because Jesus sort of found uh, the only way to talk about this illustratively to make it so profound. We have several problems and dangers with treasure. That is, we are blind to the amount, we are blind to the reward, and we're blind to the pattern. We are so blind to the amount of treasure that we're hunting for. No one ever thinks they have enough. Like, no one ever thinks they have enough money. No one ever thinks they look good enough. No one ever thinks they're successful enough. No one ever, ever thinks they've made it. In fact, when you get there, you always think there's something else to do. About 25 years ago, there was a great Disney movie called Cool Runnings. It was about the first Jamaican bobsled team. And in it, uh, John Candy plays the coach who's disgraced because of a, uh, a past uh, immoral action that he had when he was on the team, the United States team. And so towards the end of the movie, after he's been sort of disgraced and hated on the whole movie, he's in the uh, hotel room with one of his teammates that he's coaching. And he has this conversation where one of the kids he's coaching says, Coach, why did you cheat? And he says this. It's a fair question. It's quite simple, really. I had to win. You see, Darice, I had made winning my whole life. I'd made, I'd made it treasure. And when you make winning your whole life, you have to keep on winning. See, no matter what. You understand? Darice says, no, I don't understand. You won two gold medals. You had it all. John Candy says, Darice, a gold medal is a wonderful thing. But if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And the human heart is so blind to the treasure hunt that there's no amount of gold medals that we could ever win to think that we're enough with it. And so we have to do whatever it takes to get the next one. We're blind down to the amount, but also to the reward. And Jesus says this in uh, verse 20, store up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. He's saying the things that you'll go after in this world 
It will never give you what you want. And if you get it, it will never last. It will never stay and it will never hold with you. Henry Rockefeller, uh, whose family, you know, has untold billions. They, they literally own half of New York City. Was asked at the end of his life, what do you wish you knew at the beginning? And he said this, that I wish someone had told me that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. And here's what's amazing. Is Jesus says your treasure will have rust and destroy. And Henry Rockefeller says, there's nothing there with billions. And none of us believe him. We're all still just like, yeah, I kind of want to find out for myself. Like, I still want to be rich and see if it's as miserable as the people with billions in eternal glory have. Because we're blind to the reward of treasure. We're also blind to the pattern of treasure. That is, we have an inability to make connections between uh, some of the bad decisions we make in life and some of the fragile emotions we experience in life and that what we're after, really after in life with Treasure Hunt. I read this story in um, somebody's magazine a couple years ago about some South Indian monkey traps. Is the way hunters capture uh, monkeys there, it's fascinating and it's rather easy. What they do is they will dig these holes in the side of a hill that's small enough that you can put an unclosed fist in and they'll stick these berries in that have a unique aroma that these monkeys are, are always drawn to uh, and cannot go without. And so the monkeys will go uh, to these holes and they'll stick their hand in that they can fit. And when they clench the berries, the hole is small enough that when they try to pull their hand out, it gets stuck. And so they've got these berries. And then what happens is the hunters come up and see the monkeys like that. and They just whack them on the head. Now, what's fascinating about that is that the monkeys often see the hunters coming, but their hand is caught in here. And what they have in there, they want so badly that they're not willing to drop even at the risk of their own life. See, and what they can't connect is the need to drop what they have in order to save their life. And man, we struggle with the same pattern ourselves. There are so many things in your life that uh, are destroying you and you want to blame on circumstances or other people. It's because we're blind to the pattern of this and it's really dangerous. Now, why is it dangerous? It's unbelievably dangerous because something you're not in tune to is running your life. If you haven't seen it yet, you need to watch on Netflix, The Social Dilemma. It's an unbelievable documentary about the impact and patterns of social media on our lives. It's all these high up employees on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and they're all saying this, that you and I, we spend like a third of our day uh, staring into these social media apps, supposedly thinking that we're consuming something that's helping us get what we want, like a better social life or a, a leg up in the professional world or a way to to grow our own brand in any sort of particular way. And what they're trying to ask us in the documentary is to say, do you really think that you're consuming those things? Uh, A profound moment is when they say this, all these platforms are making billions. And have you ever paused and thought, it's free to all of you? 
you pay no money to these platforms that are making billions. So they ask, where do you think that money is coming from? And the line goes this way. If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. You're not consuming any of it. It is consuming you. And what Jesus is trying to plead with you tonight is to say, listen, these things that you're after in life, you're not chasing it. It's consuming you. You treasure something. And the reason it's not so much just a part of your life, it's your life in controlling you is because that has the innate dominant power of idolatry. And Jesus wants to almost draw a line in the sand to free us. This is what he says in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. See, here's the dangerous holdup for us in our lives. So many of us want the treasure that we're after and Jesus. And he's saying you cannot have both. Have you ever paused or just had an honest moment and thought, Christianity doesn't connect to life, or I don't see its value, or I don't see its practical importance. If you've ever felt that way, you need to be honest with yourself. Because what's happening to you is you're actually discovering what Jesus says. You cannot serve two masters. And deep down, what you're feeling is that you might want your treasure and not Jesus, because he's incompatible with the thing that you actually want in life. And man, the dangerous road of treasure is that it can blind you, control you, and then become your master. The inevitability of treasure, the danger of treasure. And so thirdly, if all that's true, maybe we need real treasure or a different treasure. See, What Jesus is going to talk about next week is anxiety. And it's not a coincidence. It's not like this random turn in the conversation. He's going to talk about it because the connection is going to be that anxiety is very much rooted in what you treasure in life. And if you're spending the fall and most of your college career with anxiety, One of the invitations is that you need to possibly consider a new treasure. And what Jesus wants to do tonight is to say, listen, the treasure that I offer to you is not just something you should do. It's it's the most compelling thing to give you. Because everything else the world's going to offer you, you think you love it, but you'll end up hating it because it's going to wreck every part of your life. But I'll be the only thing that offers you something that won't wreck you, but will restore you. And I want to take Jesus' treasure this way. There's two aspects to it. There's two things that make Jesus' treasure compelling. It's one is it A, it can't be taken from you, and B, it will never stop loving you. Whatever you're living for on a day-to-day basis, there's a threat that you can lose that. That's why we have to work so hard at keeping it up. That's why every day feels like moths and rust are attacking us and are there to sort of invade what we most love. And even the commendable things are up for grabs every day. Loved ones, we don't know how many days we have. Careers, you never know what your last day will be. 
And all of those things that are even parts of our life that are significant parts of our life, every day is a threat to take those away from you. And what Jesus wants to offer you is a treasure that can never, ever be taken away from you. Peter says in one of his letters, it's 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4, he says, when you become a Christian, you are born into a new future with a whole new inheritance. That is, it's like you have a new family line with a new family will. And the will on it says that when you are finally united to him, you will be given an inheritance that cannot fade. It cannot be empty. It can never be stolen for you. And right now, it is guarded for you. And that all of the threats that the daily world gives us about what it can or cannot take from us, he says, this is a treasure where none of those threats are possible and none of them apply. In fact, if they come after you and they touch you, it will throw you deeper into the treasure of what you have. And Jesus says, if you take this treasure, you know what it will do to you? It will turn you from wood into metal so that when you get thrown into the fires of this world, they won't burn you up. It will actually just purify you and make you more beautiful, ready for this treasure. It It will set you free to finally look out in the world and say, you can have all of it, but give me Jesus. I love that uh, City of Light song, Christ is mine forevermore. The lyrics say this, Come rejoice, O my soul, for his love is my reward. Fear is gone and hope is sure. Christ is mine forevermore. That's a treasure that can never, ever be taken away from you. But it's also compelling because it will ne- that, that thing that will never take away from you, it can never stop loving you. And there's an incredible irony in life. It's that every treasure you go after, you go after it for it to serve you, but you end up serving it. Do more. It says work more. It says look better. And then it will ultimately just require you to die for it. But Jesus is the only treasure that if you go after him and you come up short, he'll forgive you and then he'll die for you. See, Jesus, he had equality with God. He had everything, like treasures unknown to us. But he went through the cross, Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him. And you know, you know what the joy was that he didn't have? The one thing that he didn't have, it's a, he didn't have his real treasure, which is you. Do you know that you are Jesus' treasure that was worth the cross to him? This London newspaper told a story about 10 years ago about a man named George Tyson who on a Sunday afternoon was strolling with his handicapped son, Gary, uh, in the rural town of Olverstonian when a small out-of-control Corsa came flying at them. George jumped in front of the uh, car, saving Gary's life at the expense of his own life. When his family was interviewed about the tragedy, his daughter said this, my dad died tragically, but I'm sure he didn't think twice. Gary was inseparable from his dad, for he was his treasure. Do you know that when Jesus is in the garden wrestling over whether or not to give his life for you, what compelled him to wake up the next day was not just to please his father. 
It was the joy and the treasure of having you. And the hymn says, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. See, that's the only thing that will free you from chasing the blinding treasures of this world and to go after the one treasure you can't lose that will never, ever stop loving you. And God wants you to know, he wants you to live knowing you are his treasure. And what it means to make his cherish, his treasure is to cherish his love for you. And that's not even something you have to chase. Because friends, right now, it is chasing you. And that's not even a burden. That is an invitation. Take him, take him as your treasure. Let me pray for us. Lord, the things that we live for and I'm compelled to live for grab my soul, my heart, my everything every day. But you are the only thing that we can say is, is my reward where fear is gone and hope is sure. Lord, I pray that we can say that Christ is mine forevermore. Lord, would you enable us to, to let go of the treasures that are trapping us uh, in this world? And would you, would you make the call of Christianity, Lord, not, not, not this life to get more moral, but this life to do something with our heart that we were meant to do, and that's put it in you. In Jesus' name, amen.